Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey Ryan, how are you today? I'm great, Pam, and I have to tell you, uh, you were missed the last two episodes. I know. I don't know if our listeners missed you. I'm assuming they did. Well, I hope so. (laughs) But but they can rest assured we did not get rid of Pam. I told them that. Uh, Here you are. I'm uh, back. Following up those last two episodes where we talked about prostate cancer and uh, with Alan, our nurse navigator, Mm -hmm. and uh, they were were really, really good episodes. Well, I'm sure they were, but I missed them. Um, Hey, Ron, Ed. Did you ever watch PBS growing up? Oh, of course. Absolutely. What was your favorite cartoon? You know, I'm kind of old school, so definitely Sesame Street. Sesame Street. You know, the thing that they usually do is this, today's letter is? Yes. I think today's letter is C. What do you think? I uh, would totally agree with you. Yeah. You know, obviously our listeners are probably going, well, duh, it has (laughs) to do with cancer. Right. Right. But what else are we going to talk about? Um, maybe a dreaded word for some. For some, yes, yeah. <laughs> COVID. COVID, yes. I don't know if anybody's heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to hear from our guest um, to listen to what she has to say and about her journey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Pam, we've talked and looked for listeners or for guests for uh, kind of had a guest sheet, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, super excited when we got the thumbs up that our guest today was going to be on our podcast and uh, to tell her story. And she has a very unique story. You know, not all of our episodes are um, strictly about education um, and resources, although I know that this one will have some good education in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes that really interesting story and feel-good story around um, our cancer survivors. Right. And, you know, we've talked about prostate um, this month, but there's a lot of other cancers right. that are associated with this month. And blood cancer is one of them. That's right. So That's right. We're going to learn a little bit about that. We certainly too. will. So. Uh, so without further ado, right, to right. our listeners, uh, we are so excited uh, to have uh, the mayor of Amarillo, Mayor Ginger Nelson, joining us today. Uh, Ginger, is okay? Please, yeah. Ginger's great. Ginger's great. Okay, good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to spending time with you guys on your show. Thank you for the invitation. Well, we're super glad that you uh, took us up on it and uh, joining in. Um, tell us kind of a little bit about yourself. We know, uh, aside from being the mayor, but tell us kind of who you are and, and about your family and et cetera. Well, uh, my husband and I are panhandle kids. We both grew up in Spearman. We, um, you know, sometimes people say, well, how did you meet? Um, we, we don't have a how did you meet story because <laughs> we don't remember meeting. We've always known each other. Right. So our families are friends and we've grown up together. And uh, that's just been a great, fun blessing for us. Um, but we've lived in Amarillo now over 20 years and raised three kids here, a daughter and two boys. And we've just loved being a part of the Amarillo community. And we've had many, many blessings, both in our businesses and in our personal life. So we think sure. Amarillo is a great place to live. You know, I totally agree. <laughs> yes. Probably makes the in-law situation a little bit easier with your families knowing each other, oh, right? Totally. I mean, I, I hit the lottery as far as in-laws are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have two moms, two dads, and Kevin feels the same. I mean, last night I was driving home and he said, yeah, I just called your parents. I said, what'd you call my parents for? He said, I was just missing them. So I just, I mean, we really have, yeah, an amazing family situation and we're so grateful for that. Oh gosh. No kidding. That's great. That's great. Well, let's let's talk. You know, we talked about uh, September is uh, Blood Cancer Awareness Month. Um, let's kind of jump right in. I know that that you uh, relate to Blood Cancer Awareness Month, and uh, so tell us a little bit about your diagnosis. Uh, well, nobody ever expects to get a cancer diagnosis, and I would guess that every single guest who sits at this microphone could start their story by saying that. Mm-hmm. Nobody right. expects that to be their situation. Um, so back in December of 19, um, I'm very diligent about healthcare, and I go every year for my annual checkup and just went to see my general practitioner, and he just ran all the normal panels, and <clears throat> I didn't know that 
the previous year I had had an anomaly on a panel and he thought, well, I'm going to run an extra something to check on that. And sure enough, it came back with an extra high protein level. And so he said, you know, this is probably nothing, but we ought to follow up on it. And so that really began like a 10 week journey of every time we did another test, well, that didn't come back the way we wanted it to, but it's really probably nothing. We're just going to run this next test to make sure. <clears throat> and so it wasn't like, um, like you might see in the movies where you have this big dramatic moment of you have cancer. Right. right. Um, I can even remember going to see the oncologist for the first time. And Kevin and I sat there, we listened to everything he said. He's, he's in educational mode, talking about a lot of things we have no idea vocabulary for. And we left, we got in the car, we closed the doors and he looked at me and he said, I, I think he's telling us you have cancer. Yeah. I mean, we didn't yeah. even know for sure. Right. Um, Cause he laid out this whole plan of, well, we've got to do this test and that test. And so, you know, we were, quite caught off guard and uh it does trigger all the physical things you have to do tests and um it triggers all the financial things you have to do insurance and deductibles and pre-approvals and that's overwhelming and then it triggers just this incredible emotional response of what does this mean um it triggers a lot of uncertainty and you have to process that and so then that led us into kind of the fourth realm of getting a cancer diagnosis. And that was a spiritual thing yeah, for us. Sure. And there have been so many blessings from cancer. Um, God's been very extravagant and generous to us. Um, but it covers all four of those things. And it really, it happens fast, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It really does. And I think something's abnormal and right. I the think roller coaster our, ride starts. Uh, yes. A lot of our listeners are probably going, Oh yeah, I can relate. But yes. my, my, the one thing you said, which I know our listeners can relate because I can relate to that statement is it's probably nothing, but let's just do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think they try to put you at ease, but eventually that's, you're like, I'm on to this. Something's not normal yeah. because you keep repeating and we keep <laughs> doing and, just tell me, right? Right. And, and yeah. that's that's the hardest part. Yeah. I um, I said to Kevin, hey, we now know that when your oncologist calls you at 8 o'clock at night, yeah. that's not good that news. Not. Yeah. And so <laughs> no. we've had that phone call a few times now. Mm-hmm. And um, I so appreciate my oncologist who's willing to, as soon as he sees the test result, give me a call, right. no matter what time of day that is. Um, again, just the, the blessings of cancer, you see people who are serving, um, or making sacrifices out of consideration for you and your family. So that's very humbling. Um, but you're right. It just, it, it starts you on a journey. And I think because I had never walked that cancer journey with somebody lost my grandmother to cancer, Kevin lost a grandmother to cancer, but we weren't, you know, we were younger, right. not necessarily part of that. Everyone's cancer journey is unique. There yes. are commonalities, yes. but everyone's is unique. And so even as I sit across the table and I listen to my oncologist say, well, you know, if you go two years, then this is statistically what happens. Right. And then mm-hmm. the life expectancy is, and he walks you through all of those statistics about your type of cancer. But I have such hope and confidence just having, I'm, 18 months into my cancer journey, those don't really apply to me right? because everyone's cancer journey is so unique. And and I think that was one of the blessings that we got out of it was recognizing um, God can bring blessings in every situation and cancer is just another situation that God can bring blessings in. That's true. Right. Absolutely. Um, You know, our listeners, if you've been listening since day one, right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why we're here um, through my crazy scenario and, and um, the blessing I think that God blessed. And some people may think it was totally not a blessing, right? <laughs> but that, that's why 24 Hours in the, is, was started. And that's why now 24 Hours in the Canyon survivorship is here. And right. I totally, 100% hands down, um, second, your, your statement there saying that even through cancer, there can be blessings, and, um, I've always said, you know, it's almost kind of like you have to just kind of walk that journey with open hands and mm-hmm. say, what's next? 
where right. am I supposed to be? And how do I use this situation, albeit potentially bad and um, in the moment is the worst thing you can even fathom, but how can I use that for good? Right. And you said it was back in 2019 that this all started. So Mm -hmm. the world as we know it, Mm -hmm. knew it, um, was normal. And so you got this diagnosis. What happened once you finally got a diagnosis, like emotionally? It's pretty overwhelming. Um, and it, it was overwhelming for us to process the different treatment options that were being laid out for us. Um, initially recommended that I might need to have a hip replacement, recommended that I needed a bone marrow transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just knowing those were pretty major life affecting things that, you know, you could see on the other side of them, but yet it was going to be difficult to be in public service and go through cancer treatment at the same time. So um, as my treatment plan developed, we were able to delay doing those things, and that's great. But we didn't know that, you know, at week eight. Initially. Yeah, right. And so one of the the biggest things for us was processing, do we go public with the fact that I have cancer and, and what the treatment might look like, or do we try to navigate it? not explaining why I'm not at these events or, and again, this was all before zoom all before COVID. And so it was, it was, we're different now than we were just 18 months ago um, where people fully expected the mayor to be physically present at many different um, community things. And so that was a struggle when we were still processing it. And I know every cancer patient can relate to this. You're still processing it and trying to decide how much you want to let people in on your journey mm-hmm. because you you still don't know quite what to say about it. And they have a lot of questions that you don't have answers for. And the questions come from a place of compassion, but yet it's, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to manage that information exchange with people. And right now you need to put all your energy into your treatment plan and your family. So, um, for us initially, we had all those same things that every cancer patient has who to tell, when to tell. Mm -hmm. And then we had this added burden. Oh, oh, by the way, the city of Amarillo. Yes. (laughs) uh, Of should we tell people, should we not tell people? So, Um, Faith is really important to us, and we absolutely believe that God answers prayer. And so we, and just knowing I cannot navigate my public calendar without explaining that there's something going on. Right. So we decided to say yes publicly. And, um, and again, that's been a blessing. Sometimes the private you just wants to go, oh, I don't want to talk about cancer today. (laughs) I want to hide in that hole. I would like to hide in the hole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, God gives you the strength or the peace or just the right words because somebody needs to hear about that. So it's like that song we sang growing up, that childhood song of, you know, this little light of mine, don't hide it under Mm -hmm. a bushel Mm -hmm. um, because that. God can't do a work with it in somebody's life if you're hiding it away. Yeah. So while it might be easier for you in the moment, if you trust God with it, you can get so much more out of it for him by yes. telling your story. We we talk often, Pam, about our survivors that, and we go back to um, several years ago, we had our um, cancer survivor celebration. Mm-hmm. And we had Ethan Zahn come in who was from... Um, Survivor. He was from the Survivor, some the TV show Survivor. I think he was on like episode two or season was, two. Yeah. It was one of the very first ones, which is ironic. So he's a cancer survivor who was on Survivor. Okay. You know, so he was <laughs> on Survivor story. first, yeah, and then became a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. And he came and, and talked about his perspective and, and everything. And he talked about uh, it was a, a birthday card that his mom gave him, and it was it's had this quote that, um, ironically, I think it's by Maya, Maya Angelou, but but they always say I don't they don't know that it's entirely credited to her. But anyway, that's beside the point. But it says a bird doesn't sing because it has an answer. A bird sings because it has a song, mm. and he related that to cancer survivors. You have a song. Everybody has a song, and you need to sing it mm. um, because you just never know. 
as you said, it's important. Everybody's is different. Everybody's is unique. But there's this common thread, right, that's, that's woven amongst everyone, and it's important to share. Yes, it is. It is. So do you mind sharing with us what type of cancer you were diagnosed with? So I have multiple myeloma. Okay. Mm-hmm. which is a blood cancer. And yes. it's interesting too that my type of multiple myeloma is IgG affected. Yes. So um, before COVID, none of us even knew the names of all the antibodies <laughs> in our white blood cells and all of that. But now I can kind of say to people, well, I basically have IgG antibody cancer. Right. That's right. that's the part of my blood that malfunctions and where the cancer is. Yeah. Right. And so you got this diagnosis and you said you have three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you're young. Cancer you associate with older people. How did you um, work your way through that too? Yeah. Um, I think for every parent who has brought their kids into the journey, what you want to do the most is to protect them. Mm-hmm. But what we learned as a family is just... There's nothing here on earth that I can do to protect them. And so we just tried to say we will be honest with you about the information we're getting. And we'll be here to talk or listen about how you want to process it. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you need somebody else to process it with, we can help set that up. Um, Our kids were normal. You know, they were scared. Sure. We were scared. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, you know, it's my cancer is not an aggressive kind of, hey, you got three months to live thing. But to sit across from the oncologist and hear, yeah, 10 years, 15 years, and to start playing that forward in your head and thinking, wow, well, that means, you know, my grandkids or big events in your life. A lot of things I got planned. Exactly. So to take the good out of that hard thing is just recognizing that because faith is important to us, we had talked and taught our kids that heaven has a hope for us and heaven is eternal, but we had not spent a lot of time talking about this, mm-hmm. our bodies are a temporary mission. Mm-hmm. And so we say that a lot now at the house. Hey, this is a temporary mission. We don't know exactly when it will end, mm-hmm. but we are going to carry out our purpose here because God's asked us to do that. Right. And we love him and we trust him. And we know that no long, no matter how long all of our temporary missions last, our ultimate place will last forever and it will be together. So just having a platform as hard as it is to talk about that with your kids, I know they are spiritually more mature and they are more focused on what God wants them to do with their temporary mission Mm -hmm. than they were before. Mm -hmm. There aren't a whole lot of children's books and Sunday school lessons about death and dying. And so while I think theologically, they knew the answers to those questions. It was something else to be walking it out and actually shifting our daily choices and our priorities to reflect what we theologically said we believed. True. Right. Again, one of those blessings, right? Yes, to, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and, and you know, this is, of course, um, some of our listeners may be tracking along with some of our, one of our previous episodes of, of the climb, right? right. Where you, we just did with the children's Treehouse foundation out of, um, uh, Colorado. And they talked about, they have a, a program for this specifically to once a, a parent has been diagnosed with cancer to have, um, kids programming type thing and adult programming. And then they come together to t- mm-hmm. discuss. So they talk about cancer and mom and dad and the mom and dad are talking about what the kids are learning about and, and all of these, and then coming together which, oh, by the way, we are going to, as we've said in that episode, we're going to have that program here. Mm. Um, we are getting our one of our counselors signed up as we speak. So super excited to be able to bring that resource because you're right. There's, It's much like we've said with survivorship, there's no manual. There's no manual to say, okay, mm-hmm. and chapter three says, now you need to talk with your children and here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. They need a safe space so that they can voice their concerns, their fears, their worries. So it's exciting that we're bringing that program it here. Is. And it's super exciting. It's one more resource that's offered here at the Cancer Survivorship Center for free. 
Let's like just that, go ahead don't and we? Jump that out there real fast, <laughs> real fast. Now you talked about your your um, family and your friends. Um, tell us about your support network because um, I know once the word started getting out and how can I help? What can I do? Um, I would imagine um, being in a in a position as you are. Um, you have a support network kind of at work, but you also have a tremendous support network through your church and through your family. So do you mind sharing a little bit about your support group? Sure. Um, I, this will be hard to talk about just emotionally because Mm -hmm. people were so generous. Um, so obviously our kids were on board for whatever we needed. We made the decision to, um, do treatment at MD Anderson. So that meant we were spending time in Houston. Traveling. Um, I have two sisters in Houston, so they were obviously front and center with helping us with whatever we needed. Um, ironically though, um, the pandemic started right at the same time. Oh, about two weeks before I began treatment. And so my sisters were present, but distant because they didn't want to be around me, exactly. you know, protect um, you. Exactly. So that didn't, one of the benefits we thought we were going to have was getting to spend a lot of time with them and hanging out in between treatments and everything. And, and that ended up going away because of the pandemic. But, um, so my family, um, obviously my parents and Kevin's parents just tag teamed with our kids back at home. So we had free reign to go and be gone as long as we needed to. And, um, I have a really awesome group of inner circle friends and uh, they're girls in my running group. Um, I like to run and we spend a lot of time together sharing our hearts and encouraging Mm -hmm. each other. And um, we pray as we run through the city. So uh, it's just a really tight group of friends and they really rallied around us. Um, Yes, they did meals and yes, they um, covered errands and things that we needed but most importantly, they just poured out prayer and they sent us off with care packages that had, you know, notes from people that spoke truth over us and reminded us that God knew where we were. He knew what was happening. He knew what the struggles were. And um, our faith, we just got a tremendous jolt in our faith account, um, yeah. a big deposit, which ironically turned out to be something I needed for the whole next year, not just for cancer, right. but just to continue oh, sure. in the responsibilities that we had for the city too. Well, so that leads us, Pam, right into, <laughs> I think one of the questions that, you know, talking about, about this, I mean, having cancer is not um, ever in the plans and it's not the easiest thing in the world, but yet you're in a position where, uh, as an elected official to oversee the city. And did you ever think about taking some time away, stepping down? I mean, I, I don't know what that even looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've not been in, mm-hmm. but I don't know what that looks like because I mean, I would think my most important focus at the time is what? Myself. Myself. Sure. Um, I think in f- um, complete fairness to my family, that was one of the first conversations that Kevin and I had. Okay how are we going to make sure that you have the space ginger to take care of you, to rest, to focus on treatment, um, and make sure all of the other things you're responsible for are getting done, but aren't necessarily having to be done by you. So, um, we did have those conversations and, um, you know, the, the mayor pro tem Mm -hmm. in the city, um, has that backed up. And so um, Howard Smith was serving as mayor pro tem then. And free, actually, Frida Powell was serving for March, April, May. And then Howard Smith took over in May. So Howard and Frida both were there anytime I needed them to cover an event. And they, they would have been able to step up for me um, had I needed more um, intensive treatment. So um, I knew things at the city were going to be covered and that I needed that space to go do treatment and just to think for a minute. But then even after cancer, I needed permission to stay um, well rested and, you know, the energy to eat right. And so, um, you know, taking naps was, again, one of the blessings of cancer. And um, I 
always before, I guess I saw if you took a nap, that was because you could afford the time to be lazy or, <laughs> uh, you know, you, I, I don't know, you were fighting a cold or I don't know. It wasn't something that I would actually plan for and try to accomplish as a benefit. But now I do. Now I understand that even laying down for 15 minutes is good for my body. It's good for my mind. And uh, I feel like cancer gives me permission to do that. Cancer gives me permission to eat more vegetables. And sometimes I have to work harder at that than others. (laughs) Like all of us. (laughs) Like all of us. But cancer gives me permission to do that. And cancer gives me permission to, when I feel tired, to go, you know what, you can go lay down for 20 minutes and then you can go back to work. You don't have to work through that moment of exhaustion. So there are, again, a lot of benefits, um, a lot of blessings that come Mm -hmm. out of cancer. And even when you started the show with, you know, today the letter is C, of course, (laughs) I go to C is for cookie. Cookie cookie is for me. (laughs) But C is also for change. And cancer drives change. And change can be invigorating it can be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are determined to look for the good in it, the good is there. One of the very first things, I, I mean, I sat at my prayer table for the first few weeks and just poured my heart out to the Lord. And <clears throat> he showed me Proverbs seventeen twenty two, And that verse says, a cheerful heart is the best medicine. And I I then just begin to ask him and to study about what does a cheerful heart look like? What does that consist of? And there's a mental attitude that goes along with it. So Mm -hmm. you have to work at looking for the good. And that builds a a cheerful heart. And a cheerful heart is the best medicine. That means it's better than every oncologist. It's better than every radiation treatment. It's better than every chemo or... um, you know, whatever treatment might be in front of you, the Bible tells us that a cheerful heart is the best medicine. And so you can do all those other things to shore it up. But at the top of the list, a cheerful heart is the best medicine. So if I needed a nap to get away from the stress and the pace of being the mayor, because that would help my cheerful heart, then a nap was important. And, and different, it wasn't just me choosing to be lazy for 20 minutes. It was now me equipping myself to have a cheerful heart because that's the best medicine, whether we're fighting cancer or whether we're fighting COVID or whether we're fighting despair, a cheerful heart is the best medicine. Sometimes I think we have a hard time putting ourselves first. Oh, and, and I, I can imagine in your role, putting yourself a, first is not easy. Easy. Pam, it reminds me, I go back to uh, Ethan again, Mm -hmm. and he talked, if you remember, he talked about the cancer card. Mm -hmm. He he started off his talk about (laughs) how many in here have ever played the cancer card? Because Mm -hmm. I think, what was it? He needed to get on the fly. Yeah, it was something to get on the airplane. And he was like, but I have had (laughs) cancer and I'm actually going to speak at a cancer foundation. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not there, there's going to be hundreds of cancer survivors who are going to be very upset or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, so I did it. I played the cancer card, which Mm -hmm. in a way that is it. I I think I like it gives me permission Mm -hmm. more so than playing the cancer card. Right. So whenever you, okay, you're going to Houston for treatment two weeks prior to this pandemic, how do you deal with what's happening in the world mm-hmm. and still fa- stay focused on yourself? It, you know, well, first of all, it was so sweet of the Lord to draw me in close to him for weeks before the pandemic hit. So when the pandemic hit, I am already spiritually very tuned into the Lord. I am committed to quiet time and anchoring time with him every day. I have my prayer networks rolling and flowing. Like I got text streams where I'm dropping information and people are pushing it out to other prayer networks. And so all of that, like I was, I was ready to go to battle Mm -hmm. because we were already in a battle. And Mm -hmm. so it did feel bizarre, but it didn't feel overwhelming um, in the first four to five weeks of the pandemic. And I think that's because the Lord had already been, he had us in training. I I mean, in my mind, he had me tightly tucked under his wing. 
So I didn't even have to run to him. I was already under his protection. And so that gave me a tremendous amount of peace for making some very difficult decisions in the moment and, and a lot of uncertainty, and yet still a decision had to be made for the city. I knew I was tucked in tight with him. I was not far running toward him. I was already under his wing. And yeah. so for me, I think the cancer right before the pandemic was God's perfect timing. Of course. I just, um, it, to the, to, to the outsider looking in, it seems like you just got dealt, you know, two terrible hands right next to each other in whatever game we're playing old maid or you know, <laughs> whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but that isn't a, a fantastic way to think of it and look at it. Um, it had to have really made those decisions early on that you just spoke about within the city of, you know, we're moving to this level and we're moving to, and oh, and now we're looking at a, a shelter in place order mm-hmm. and all of these things. I would assume, I mean, those are not easy, easy decisions to make, mm-hmm. but I would assume it, it was a little more comforting, a little more clear that that was the right way to go. Mm-hmm. I just was spending so much time in the Bible because that's where it felt comfortable to me. Um, both from a cancer and uncertainty point of view there, Mm -hmm. but also just the weight of the decisions that had to be made with the pandemic and the demand for um, so many people. They were scared. Looking for Yes, looking for comfort. Yes. What are we supposed to do? And um, Romans 12 is just one of the chapters that I read over and over and over again. And I have while I've been mayor. I I, it talks a lot about giftings, and mm-hmm. so I'd, I like to pray through and ask the Lord to bring those gifts to our city. But um, in the first part of Romans 12, it talks about for the joy Christ endured the cross. And I don't know how many times I had read that. And one morning I read it again during the midst of this cancer and pandemic thing. And I began to realize he chose the cross for the joy. It was something to be endured. It was hard. It was painful beyond what I can really understand. But he chose to do it for the joy. And the Lord just said, do you see how that ties in to Proverbs 17, 22? A cheerful heart is the best medicine. So he said, in everything, even on the cross, Christ was focused on the joy. He wasn't focused on the excruciating sacrifice or the sin that drove it there. Mm -hmm. He was focused on the joy. It was for the joy that he endured the cross. And so again, just reminding me of every moment, okay, this might feel heavy, but where can you choose the joy in it? And not a Pollyanna type, I'm going to detach from reality and bury my head in the sand. No, I'm still seeing all the difficulty in it, Mm -hmm. but I'm looking for the joy. And that's going to help me endure the challenge. Yeah. It reminds me, Pam, of some of the discussions you and I had about, you know, do we close the center down? When do we make that decision? Because, um, you know, when you talk about uh, high risk folks and you talk about immunocompromised, every person who walks through the door fits that bill. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that and ultimately made that decision of we have to, we know in an effort to protect the folks and the survivors that come here. But then I remember you and I having discussions while we were um, at home, mm-hmm. our, our respective homes, um, you know, and how, you know, I think we've eaten dinner together as a family way more than <laughs> we ever had before the pandemic. Or and we ate healthier. We cooked together. It was like, we didn't throw away moldy things from the refrigerator because it got used, right? Right. And those we are were the at kinds home. of things, like you're just saying, you know, the, the, the benefits and the blessings that come out of this and, and going to choose joy during this hard time. I remember having those discussions at home saying, I mean, this has really been hard, but it's been great. Mm-hmm. You know, but it sounds really like you're saying, you don't want to be Pollyanna and bury your head and mm-hmm. go, I could get used to this. Cause I think we were all at each other's throats occasionally with my two kiddos at the house, right? Because they're not used to spending that much time together. But the the benefits of that were immense. Right. So then um, you get COVID. Mm. How does that change? I mean, to me, I've never had cancer, but 
I would be scared because of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you handle that? Um, <clears throat> well, again, I think God used that to build empathy with for me, like um, me toward others. So I would completely understand what was happening at the hospitals, and I would completely understand the progression of the symptoms. And um, so I just, it was I was sad and disappointed because we had worked so hard. We, our family had I would been imagine so you careful. Took countless precautions. Yes, right. And then all of a sudden, you just go, "Okay, well, we're back to square one on this." Um, but and you have fear. I mean, fear always rears its ugly head. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, what is this? How's this going to play out? My parents were scared for me, but um, it you know just seeing God present in all of that. I think I was one of the first people in the city, like maybe the second, maybe the first, to get the bamlanivimab infusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just because that had just been discovered and delivered. And so um, I went the day after Thanksgiving and received an infusion, and it made a tremendous difference for me. Um, and again, just um, the doctors who walked me through that and made that available, um, that was a blessing and I was very, very grateful for those men. They know who they are. And yeah. I'm very, very grateful for the way they, they took care of, of me. Um, but, you know, I, I still have some long hauler symptoms. And so it's been, what is that? I can't do the math in my head. Nine months, basically, since I had it. And so that, again, gives me um, an ability to understand people who have symptoms on the other side of COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, it just... It helps me as a leader respond to people. So many times leadership is just being present and being willing to listen to people tell their story. And it's usually a hard story to hear. So I think, again, I just trust that the Lord knew I needed to walk on those roads in order to to lead for this time right now in the city. We talk about, Pam, sometimes what is the right thing to say? And what is the wrong thing to say? And we've settled on, these are some of the great debates that we have behind the scenes here. (laughs) Many. Many. One of many. Um, But but sometimes we just decided um, it's best sometimes to say nothing. And it's best just to listen, um, just as you mentioned. But um, the one thing that is really troublesome, and we've all said it, we've all said it, is I understand how you feel, or I, I, I get it. And, and I don't get it because I've not had cancer. Pam, right. you've not had cancer. No. So we, we can't say that and truly mean it. And just as you said, you do understand. You mm-hmm. get it. I mean, when you talk to people about COVID, um, that's such an interesting perspective because um, to think of it from that, that angle that, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that is a benefit a blessing of being diagnosed with cancer. Was there ever any concern, you know, should I, should I not take the infusion? I mean, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. it had just become available. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oncologist was part of that team of folks. And so thankfully I had, um, even though it was Thanksgiving, I mean, they were again, very generous in their availability to answer questions and, and help me make that decision. Um, we went back and forth on a couple of different treatment plans and, uh, this one was, could happen quicker. And so in sure. my, yes. my system responded very well to it. So I think we made the right, made the choice. right choice. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of those things, Pam, about being, we've talked about communication. We've talked about being your best advocate. That's uh-huh. being your best advocate, sitting down, talking about, want to find out what is this? What is that? What are my choices? What are my options? Um, and not being hard? afraid, not being afraid to be your own advocate. Yeah, I was, that's what I was about to ask. Was that hard? Was that difficult? It was hard. And actually, I would I would credit my oncologist, um, Dr. Tumala. He's here in Amarillo. He really advocated for me. Like, I I don't know. And maybe it was brain fog for the, co- you know, during COVID sure. or, but I just kind of was more in a, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Let's just kind of wait and see. And so that's given me a platform to tell people you know, don't, don't wait and see, because this COVID is a strange progression, a strange disease progression. Um, you know, days one and two, not so bad days, three and four, 
definitely worse, high fever. But then maybe days five and six, oh, I'm on the mend again. And then day eight, boom, it's yeah. back. <laughs> and so I just think um, having him there to say, um, Ginger, I want you to amp this up on how serious you're taking it. And um, let's let's get an appointment scheduled. I can help you do that. So just again, your healthcare team is so important. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I had worked with him to develop that relationship before I needed it. You know, right. the time you need the boat is uh, not while it's raining cats and dogs. You know, you, I mean, that's when you need it, but yeah. that's not a good time to build, to build it. it. Yeah, that's right. Oh. right. So I, um, I'm just so grateful that I have him locally here. And then I have my oncology team in Houston and they, they are doing a fantastic job of communicating back and forth. And it is important to stay on top of that and to facilitate that and to not be shy Mm -hmm. in asking for telling them what you need. And, uh, even if you think, well, I can probably get by without it. It's sort of like, taking a nap well yeah you could probably get by without a nap but is it better for you in the long run or in the short run if you actually go and and get that treatment so that was more my story on COVID is they took care of me and I'm just sitting here thinking did you ever imagine when you were elected you would get all this medical knowledge that you gained through your term No. Oh, no. I mean, I can, we'll see what the Lord does, you know, when we're not in public service anymore. But there could be a book, there is a book's worth of content for the did you ever imagine question. (laughs) I mean, Uh, I'm just thinking you learned about cancer, you learned about a pandemic, how to handle it. Yes. Um, That's a lot. It's a lot. You went through a lot of non-manual things. (laughs) There's no manual. Right. You could write the manual now. Yeah, I spent plenty of time on WebMD, <laughs> as I know we all did. I mean, we all that all that applies to all of us. Actually, mm-hmm. we've spent the last year learning a whole lot about disease, and um, even learning about who do we trust to teach us about mm-hmm. disease. And I've used Good that point. analogy a lot of times. There are things that people want government to be simple in. They want our budgets to be simple. They want our processes to be simple, um, but it's not simple. Complex things are not simple. So you can look at your accountant and say, well, I hereby demand that this year my tax return be simple. Well, you can aspire for that, but you're not in control of actually making it that way. And um, So cancer is the same way. I've told people before, um, even just this week, I used the analogy that I studied hard those first eight weeks and tried just to learn the vocabulary of my cancer. But I'm grateful that I have a team of doctors who combined for over 100 years of education and study in my type of cancer. Mm -hmm. So it's complex, but I don't have to understand it because they understand it. To them, it's simple. It's to them. They have the knowledge that allows them to steer me in the direction I should go. I have to trust them. And we're all fascinated watching this play out in a political and societal place that we, as we're watching people struggle with knowing who to trust. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not trusting government. And some of them are not trusting science That's right. or mm-hmm. even their medical professionals. Um, who are they trusting? And um, so that weighs on my heart because I care about the people that live in our city and I want them to be healthy Um, and I want to be able to connect with them in a way that yes they would trust our local government and they would trust our medical professionals Um, but you can lead a horse to water (laughs) so I keep thinking what where's where are the salt tablets you know where (laughs) where can I make people thirsty so that when they're by the water they want to drink oh yeah totally understand that I think we have this conversation daily we do who do we trust what do we where do we go to get our um knowledge yes Um, and you know there's there's no question Pam throughout the journey here that we've been on now for nine months with our podcast Mm -hmm. um we've had some amazing educational guests who i feel 
every single person we we can trust every one of the people that's been on our podcast because they have solid information right solid right. information what do you always like to say we like to go to the experts to right? the experts mm. to the experts yeah and you know good. it's 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 weird i still in, in in preparing for for today's episode um i know pam we talked about this is like you know how do you prepare every day to make decisions that you know are affecting the city while oh by the way you're still going through your treatment and you have some lasting effects and oh and then you have covid and you're as you just said ha- still having lasting effects how, how, and I know you've talked about some things you've done, but how do you mentally prepare for every day? I think that's a that's something I personally want to know. Yeah. For me, I start my day by prayer and, and reading the Bible. And, and I know that might sound like a churchy answer to give. Um, and that's what I aspire to do every day. And I get it done five or six days a week. I don't actually get it done every single day. <laughs> but it matters. Like I can tell when I haven't done that, then I'm going to struggle all day long with finding the joy, with thinking about problems the way Christ would think about problems, because embedded in every problem are tons of people and people are wonderful and people are work. Um, we, um, have an office building and we have tenants there. And the person that manages our building said, this would be so much easier if we didn't have any tenants, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't work it doesn't as a business if you don't have tenants. And so just, you know, reminding yourself how to think about people and how to love people the way that Christ did, your tank is going to get empty and some days it's going to get emptier faster than others. So I just try to start off every single morning. It's not a complicated formula. I read my Bible and, um, I, I just sit quietly and listen to worship music and have a cup of tea and just start anchor in my day with what his priorities are and his thoughts are. Some yeah. days that's at four thirty in the morning. I mean, you know, because you have to get sure. in front of everything to. else that's on the your calendar. calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. And I can only imagine what your calendar looks like. Some days it's pretty scary, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's it's a choice. And I think my hope would be that if my kids say what I remember most about my mom is that she started every day at, at her prayer table, mm-hmm. and and just knowing that. They were a part of that, you know. You don't have to have the right words at the prayer table. You just have to be there listening. That's right. Yeah. I know whenever I talk to patients, um, you know, they feel guilty for making the time for themselves. Um, But sometimes we need to put it in our planner. We need to, you know, if that's what's going to get you through the day, um, going to the prayer or going to talk to a friend, whatever it may be, I think it's important that we make a mental note or jot it down in our planners every day yes. so that we can be better people. You have to be intentional about yeah, about yeah. what what it is for you. And I, I just would say I, I've not found anything that comes even close. Um, just my time this morning read about how God gives us grace and peace and he trades us our worries and anxieties for it. Yeah, that's a good trade. <laughs> and I've traded him several times today for we, that. We all have. Yeah. I mean, today, yesterday, and and, yeah. and should be doing that regularly. Yeah. Gosh, absolutely. You, know, you talk about a lot of things with your self-care. Um, right there, quiet time in the morning, listening to praise and worship, um, running. Um, mm-hmm. I know you, you, you're a runner. Um, your naps. Are there any other things that you found along your routine your journey here that um, had helped you out a lot um what Pam said just a minute ago you do have to fight resentment like Mm -hmm. I I resent that cancer now is part of our stuff and so just figuring out how to and one of those things is changing what what I eat and so um I do I do a fasting regimen um every day I try to go 12 to 16 hours which, you know, a lot of that time I'm asleep and you just get in a routine where um, it works for you. But 
um, that's been a change. And, you know, we'll see going forward if that's something that makes a difference or not. I may never actually know. But I think what I need to know is um, if cancer ultimately takes my life, I need to know I changed and tried everything in my power that was reasonable mm-hmm. to to be healthy. Right. So exercising, I have changed my exercise routine and I um, have added some and taken away others that I thought weren't as cancer friendly or that I could feel my body needed to change on. Um, but exercise is very much so a part of my mental and physical health. Sure. Um, so just naps would have been probably at the top of my list, but we've already talked. Yeah, about no, that's, that's great. And I think everybody listening now, maybe you should put naps, you know, Pam, maybe we should do a class on naps. naps. Well, I'm I thinking w- maybe you should allow us to do naps we- here. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> like I will say I put naps on my, um, my pride keeps me from actually putting nap, but like I'll drop on it on schedule. my, yes. yes. I'll, and for one thing, so many people see my schedule. Sure. It's mm-hmm. not just me that sees my schedule, but I'll put on there hold open and I'll hold 30 minutes or, um, you know, um, nothing here. Right. And, <laughs> and what that's telling me is I can see that day's going to be really busy. I'm going to go ahead and block some time to rest yeah. in the midst of it. Just- you know, as a, as a mayor's schedule, as you mentioned, I'm sure there are long early mornings, long days, mm-hmm. late evenings. I know, you know, um, I remember seeing through the pandemic, you did zoom calls at night, you know, press mm-hmm. conferences in the evening and, and those kinds of things. So if you don't take care of yourself and Pam, we've said this, you've said this, if you don't mm-hmm. take care of yourself, who's going to take, take care of you, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to take care of yourself. And so, gosh, I applaud you for that because I don't know that I would, I mean, I don't know. I, I would hope I would be as strong-willed of saying this is what's most important. I'm going to put this on my calendar, and I'm going to I'm going to rest. Mm-hmm. And you talk about changing things that maybe you once loved that you don't do now. And I think it's important for our survivors to know that you know with cancer comes change, change. and it's okay Another to try. Word. Yeah, to try something new. So. Hey, if you want to come to a yoga class, mm-hmm. if you want to ta- uh, do Tai Chi or Qigong or water exercise, try. And if you don't like it, it's okay, but you're doing something for yourself. Yes. I think you guys in the community that you provide here um, and what you do day in and day out is so helpful to people in times of uncertainty and in times of change because change can be terrifying. But I think every cancer journey does involve a real element of sadness and grieving Mm -hmm. and whether you're forced to change because your health is different now, um, you're going to grieve that. And, and I feel, I grieve the things I've had to change and I'm sad about them. And it's easiest to share that with people who have had a cancer journey because the details don't matter as much as just knowing, Oh yeah, they felt that. And, Um, And it might feel selfish to say, hey, my treatment went so well. Why do I still feel sad about having to change this part of my life? Because I really enjoyed the way it was before. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't mean that I'm not grateful for being where I am on my cancer journey. But the sadness is real, too. And I think just listening to you guys talk about your work the community that you build here so that people can understand what it feels like to grieve something, even though you're also grateful. How can you grieve and be grateful at the same time? I don't know, but every cancer patient does it. And so to have a community of people that understand that is very, very important. I was listening to another podcast um, the other day, and it said that Um, your cancer friends are going to be the ones that understand you the most. And so find your cancer friends. That's right. Mm -hmm. If you don't have them, we have plenty here and we want to. We've got some. Yeah. I can't be it. No, I can't either. (laughs) But but we do have some and it is, there is, there is a, um, Pam, you've seen it and I'm sure Ginger, you've seen it when two or more cancer survivors are together. There is this commonality. Mm -hmm. 
and I see it in yoga class or I see it in, I'm, I'm most present in the water class because it's downtown where my office is. And right. so I go down and I say, Hey, to the water class and, and visit with them. And I see that camaraderie and I see that common bond mm-hmm. and it is, it's strong. Mm-hmm. It's very strong. It's forged. It is. Yeah, it really is. And again, as we said, no one asked for this. Right. And just as you said about <laughs> grieving, I totally understand that because I see that's not, this isn't, you didn't ask for this change. Yeah. And grief is different for everybody. 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 And you can grieve over the little things and the big things, but um, you're not alone. Not alone. We have counselors here. That's we right. have support groups. That's right. um, and everything is options. free. Exactly. Exactly. That is amazing. What you guys <laughs> offer to the cancer community is amazing. Um, just the education, the ability to connect with people, other cancer um, patients and survivors, the education component, and the fact that it's free at no cost is mm-hmm. just phenomenal. It's unique. It's and a hidden gem here in Amarillo. It is. it is. We we don't want it to be hidden. That's no. Right. That's so right. please tell your friends. Um, they don't have to be cancer patients. Just right. tell everyone in your inner circle because they all know someone who's that's a cancer exactly patient. Right. And that's it's important just to get the word out. Yeah. yeah. I have to ask, uh, too, one thing that, that we didn't um, talk about already. And I, because it's important, and Pam, we've talked about this on several of our episodes. Your husband, caregiver. Um how, how, how did he navigate these uncharted waters? Because again, this comes into play, right? With civic leader, uh, cancer survivor, COVID patient, you know, all of the things and care. And we talk all the time about how important caregivers are. Mm-hmm. They're invaluable. Um, how, how was Kevin through this journey? Kevin was amazing. Um, and he was present that, that was the most important thing was he was present. Um, he made time to go to any appointment that I wanted him to be at, even if it was just a check the box kind of thing. Um, and I realized his value, the value of his presence to me, um, the day, really one of my hardest days on the cancer journey was when MD Anderson closed their facility to visitors. So that meant everyone in the facility was either on staff or a patient. And uh, so Kevin dropped me at treatment that morning. I could barely make myself get out of the car without him because just having someone to do the journey with, mm-hmm. someone to talk to you and distract you while they're sticking you and all these things, all of a sudden I realized how valuable that was. And, uh, so I cried and he cried and he said, can you do it? I said, yes, yes, I can do it. I just, this moment really caught, it caught me off guard um, because doing the journey alone is much harder than doing the journey with a support system. And so again, what you do for people who have cancer Because not everybody has a support system like that. And you Mm -hmm. guys can step in and be that support system. It's very real. It's so important. Um, And I am so blessed. I am blessed with a tremendous man who is my best friend and has been for 36 years. And, um, you know, Kevin, I love you. I'll never be able to thank you for all of the sacrifices you've made. Um, And it as the person in our family who has cancer, you hate seeing everybody turn their focus toward you, right. you know, the, and right. that's something I know every cancer patient will relate to also. Instead, I, I want to turn it toward the things that they're interested in. Um, but they've, my kids too are in the same boat, whatever I needed, they were there for it. And so just being present was a huge part of how to support me. Wow. Caregivers are really, really invaluable. They are. They are. End of story. Yeah. I mean, with, with when, when you talk about caregivers. Yes. So if you're the caregiver, cancer gives you permission to nap also. Cancer gives you permission to eat healthy, <laughs> to exercise, um, to take a break and do something that you enjoy to fill your tank up again. Because the cancer journey is um, 
it's not just about the cancer patient. It's about the people that are supporting them too. Yeah. I know we had an episode with Mary Margaret and she was talking mm-hmm. about your four forks. The spoons. The, the spoon theory. Uh, yeah. Mary Margaret this Dirty came her. on. Yes, love right. Her. Um, came on uh, one of our early episodes, maybe mm-hmm. like two or three episodes uh, early on in our, our journey here. And she enlightened us with the spoon theory of I only have, I think it was 10 spoons a day or five spoons a day. And I know that Mm. tonight I got to go to a choir concert and tonight I also have to have this. So I'm going to say no to this over here and reserve a spoon so that I have plenty of spoons tonight. That's good. Taking care of yourself and your caregivers taking care of themselves too. So, so important. Yeah. I I have one last question, Pam, before we go into our, our, our usual closing. And I think maybe you've touched on a little bit about this, but what would you say? Um, and I, I would never ask this of a lot of people, but you, you, you've, you've got, you've had a lot of experiences and, and people look to you, um, as the leader of our city. What would you say to someone who's just recently been diagnosed with cancer? Maybe a new listener who's like stumbled across our podcast, um, who recently was just diagnosed. I would say, um, keep your thoughts in the present and don't run down all those avenues of what ifs and it takes a lot of thought discipline to do that because you are web MDing, you are telling family and families asking questions about prognosis and um but the energy that it takes to run all those rabbit trails to uncertain answers is is draining so just um, developing the skill of waiting cancer having cancer involves a lot of waiting and you don't know the answers while you're waiting so you just have to figure out how to do that um, and I think it's a skill that you can acquire um, but like any skill you have to practice it to get better so um, my heart goes out to people who are just getting that news um, but there are a lot of blessings in a cancer journey and um, using the thought discipline to stay back away from the what if game is beneficial. You won't win all the time, but every time you don't go down the what if trails, that's a victory and you're spending your energy on the joy on a cheerful heart. Um, So it's, it is not an easy place to be. Um, but there's still hope and put your thoughts on that part. I mean, somebody told me that you have two dogs living in your head and they're both hungry for food. One is the negative dog and one is the positive dog and they feed off your thoughts. So which one do you want to get bigger, the negative or the positive? Well, the one that eats is the one that will grow and get bigger. So you have to feed it in order for it to grow. And, and we say that at our house, which dog, which are, you dog feeding? are you feeding? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to not feed that negative, but it it's is so, so important to um, feed that positive one. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, um, yeah. And by, by, if you fed the negative dog, doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the it's world. Not right? no. Yeah. It's not the end. You can change. You anytime. can feed the, 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 the positive dog and the, maybe the mm-hmm. uh, negative dog gets skinnier. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Some days are easier to feed the positive dog oh, yes. than others. Oh yeah. yeah. But that's part of the journey. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. What a, what a journey you've had. And I, Thank you for sharing it. Um, I know our listeners um, will appreciate your story and can relate to you. There's a lot of nuggets. And I think that um, thank you for for singing your song Mm. and sharing that journey because uh, I know I learned a lot and I'm not on a cancer journey. Although we walk with folks daily here at the Survivorship Center on their journey. But gosh, there's so much to take away and uh, um, changing a mindset and, and applying a lot to this. Right. Finding your support system. That's right. So we like to leave um, our listeners with the Pete's Powerful Moment, and we would like to hear your positive thought or moment through your journey. Mine is definitely that moment that the Lord showed me, Proverbs seventeen twenty two, that a cheerful heart is the best medicine. And I've applied that so many times in so many different ways in the last 18 months. 
um, not just to cancer and not just to physical health, but truly a cheerful heart is the best medicine. So um, I don't have one 100% of the time, uh, but just knowing the change that God can bring about when I'm putting my faith and hope in him and and thinking like Christ and pursuing the joy, the joy. yes, is uh, that's been life altering for me and I think it's the most powerful takeaway I have from cancer can't imagine if our world would have more cheerful moments or positive moments like that It'd be a different place yeah it would it sure would uh ginger thank you you know I I you've got as you said your schedule is busy and it's full of things and I I appreciate you taking the time to do this I well, think it's um it's important for our listeners to hear from our leaders um, not that this is a political or a, mm-hmm. or a uh, office type um, podcast, but to hear your genuine, you know, the struggle you've, you've gone through. And I think it, um, it's it, the whole, this, this whole episode, Pam, could be a Pete's powerful moment. It could be. It really, <laughs> it really was. So I just thank you from the bottom of my heart share, uh, for sharing your story um, of leadership and uh, overcoming the, the two biggest negative things that you possibly could have had it within a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm humbled that you guys would ask me to spend time with you. The work you're doing in our city, not just our city, but really a five state area, you cover so much territory. It is a huge impact in those families' lives, but in our community, and I mean our panhandle community. So thank you for the work you're doing. May God bless it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And those of you listening, right? We always leave with some homework. Pam, right. what is their homework? How about you like, subscribe, send this podcast to all your friends. If you have any questions, want to know more about the Survivorship Center, make sure you call 806-331-2400. That's right. That's right. Um, pass this along and uh, let let folks in your circle know and listen because uh, it's important. There's a lot of good information. Uh, and of course, I am always say this, right? You join us next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. And I truly mean that, Pam. They're all, right. all great. We've got another one coming up. Another one coming next week. Thank you guys. And we look forward to being with you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.